Hello, everyone, and welcome back to This Is Us Portland, a community conversation. And we're excited again to have a special guest, and I'm going to toss it over. I'm Again, I'm Mary Pond, Portland Youth Services and the Senior Center. And I'm going to toss over to Ali Benke, our outreach coordinator, to do the introductions. Hi. Um, today we have Marin O'Dell back with us. She's been with us twice before um, for some amazing podcasts. Welcome, Marin. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Um, Marin comes, joins us from the Early Childhood Cons Consultation Partnership, which is part of the Child Guidance Clinic in Central Connecticut. Um, she's the Development and Programming Coordinator. I think I got that correct, Marin, right? Yes, I've been there for a while, okay. and um, I was a consultant um, for the ECCP program, which is a statewide program for many years, working with um, early childhood providers, parents, and children. So, yeah, we're excited. Excellent. Um, so we asked Marin to join us today for an important topic that's come up um, related to what's going on with um, the coronavirus, but in particular with our young families. So with our birth to five, maybe a little bit older than that, but you know, how has this impacted some of our families? And more importantly, how can they, how can we move forward in through the summer because we're coming off of the school year and now into a summer type setting? And how do we you know, what are some tips, some resources, some support, some guidance, even just some information that families might want moving forward um, through, Ju you know, June, July, and August, which typically are really exciting months and should be this year. They just might look a little different. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I loved your lead in, Marin, embracing summer 2020 with young children. So we need to change our mindset and say, we know that yeah. you've been with your kids, but let's look ahead and say summer's coming and it's going to change, you know, how you're meeting with your kids every single day is different from when it was two weeks ago. So, yeah. Certainly. Um, I think that was Allie's title, actually, which was a great oh. one. Um, I Sorry, sure Allie, I didn't credit. give you credit. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> um, but I do think it's, it's actually, you know, such a helpful way to look at things right now to kind of break it up in chunks because um, we know we can get through this and, um, you know, we made it through the springtime and some of the holidays that people typically celebrate then. Now right. we're kind of at that end of school year time and start of summer. So um, if we break it down into chunks, then we know we can get through this together. Yeah, I like that that idea too, because um, sometimes it's, it's hard, right? Because you want to think ahead one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, two months, four months, because that's what we're sort of conditioned to do, think ahead in that way. And the coronavirus has sort of forced us to think of things in chunks and what's tomorrow. So what does tomorrow look like? And what are the great things that we can do to do tomorrow? Right. Um, day to day. <laughs> so do you want to start with maybe just sort of what are some of the challenges that you've seen um, for young families? And just, I think sometimes we often feel like we're alone in this whether we have children, no children, young children, elementary, middle, whatever it might be, people tend to feel like they're alone and they're really not alone. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen professionally um, for families as they've gone through the spring and summer or spring and then going into summer? Maybe that's a good place to start. Sure. Well, there is definitely a lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, there are so many different types of challenges that everyone has been facing. Um, I've heard many of the same themes from my colleagues who work with families. 
um, from other families that I speak with and, um, you know, myself as a, a parent too. I think maybe starting out, one big challenge we're all facing is that we're all human and being a caregiver or a parent doesn't mean that you don't have your own responses and feelings to everything that's going on in the world. Um, The anxiety, perhaps financial stress, Mm -hmm. feelings of isolation, uh, sadness, grief, loss, missing friends and family. So you're dealing with that as a parent. And then you're having to figure out how do I push through that? And in some cases, you know, perhaps work through those feelings. So working from home during that time and taking care of your kids Mm -hmm. um, or certainly just taking care of your kids is a full-time job. And I think thinking about looking forward into the spring and summer um, for many parents, distance learning provided at least, you know, some ideas of things to do and some structure to the day but it can be a little intimidating to look at the whole calendar of the summertime stretched ahead without some of the respite that you might ordinarily get from summer camps or summer programming. Um, And then, you know, everyone being in the house at the same time can be challenging too, especially with young children. You may feel like as a parent that it's your job to be keeping them entertained. Um, siblings are not getting breaks from each other either. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're dealing with that sibling rivalry as well. And also trying to come up with ways to keep perhaps multiple age levels happy within your own home. Um, so, you know, I kind of have to take a deep breath there because even just right. talking about it, you know, it certainly feels like a very heavy load that, that parents and caregivers are carrying right now. Yeah, I think that's something we could totally agree upon. And that's been the theme just in my, you know, professionally and personally with with families of all ages is exactly that. There's the stressors from the outside, um, obviously, because, you know, financially, um, personally, emotionally, all those things that we, you know, that we see individually, but then the family component and the family systems. um, It's huge for kids. Um, Everything's just kind of turned upside down. And they've had to figure out a new way and a different, you know, outlook at the world, Um, including this summer with summer camps. I think that's a big one that a lot of folks, you know, summer camps, vacations, trips to the beach. uh, We were talking about that earlier. All those things that you typically do, um, you know, might look a little different because things aren't open. I was just saying to Marin earlier that we tried to go to... um, different private little spots that we know, like little sneak in spots to go to the lake and there's nothing, you know, nothing's available. So all those things that you do just to get out of the house and have a little small taste of summer is going to be a challenge. Um, So it's, you know, what do you do to, to put a bright spin on that for your kids? And I know for us, it was, well, let's just go to the river and, you know, and just look at like, just, you know, something to, to change it up. So it's not our usual, but you know, it was still fun. So we were still able to have right. a good time. Right. Sometimes we yeah. just have to, you know, accept that things might look different and kind of grieve that loss that, mm-hmm. you know, it is sad that we're not going to be able to do everything we were hoping to. And then at the same time, realize that we can also still get excited about new ways of new things. Uh, celebrating the summer and engaging. Can you talk to us a little bit about transitioning? So, you know, how do we transition our kids? I know this is, at least for public schools, um, this is kind of a final week right now. Um, I'm not quite sure for the preschools if they're, are they done, Mayor, or not? Yeah, they are. They usually okay. get finished that first week of June. So 
they're on their way right now. They're already transitioned. That transition time of, you know, going from what they knew, but then sort of some are turning back the clock because they've had uh, their schools have done the final, the goodbye to them, and yeah. where some are going to be transitioning next year into kindergarten and mm -hmm. haven't had an opportunity to really explore that and to get into the excitement of kindergarten because they haven't had that that last piece of ending nursery school. So right. I think that's an important thing too. But I think looking at the scheduling, and we all know scheduling with kids and changing routine, and maybe you could talk about that too. We're talking transition, but I think it's just that the scheduling and the routines are just so mixed up right now. And Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, I think those are all really important points. And um, I feel like I've experienced it in a different way this year as a parent. Um, my older son would was graduating um, from preschool this year and he'll be transitioning to kindergarten. So I was finding that I was having my own feelings of, of yeah. sadness. Um, yep. that we weren't going to get to recognize that in the same way. And thankfully, his school was able to come up with a nice kind of drive-through graduation, um, mm -hmm. in which the kids were recognized, and they shared photos on their social media page. Um, so I think it's still important to acknowledge the the transition and talk about what might have been happening at that time and any feelings that kids might be having related to um, missing their friends or maybe not getting to have those end-of-year celebrations they were looking forward to. Um, but at the same time, you almost have to keep the status quo as well, because we do know that kids and really adults do best when we have structure. Um, mm -hmm. Kids really thrive on that predictability. Uh, it helps them to feel safe. So I know myself, I was getting a little nervous thinking about the fact that the school wasn't going to be sending us any distance learning activities anymore. And so right. what was our day going to look like? And then, yeah. you know, if you think about it, you can still really kind of recreate that, that structure and routine throughout the whole summer. Um, that doesn't mean it's inflexible. You could, it could look a little bit different and um, you could actually get a little bit more creative with it and base it off of what your kids are interested in. But it is still really helpful to have a, a routine and a structure, particularly around, um, you know, sleep times and meal times. Um, it's helpful to have a balance of time where your kids might be engaged in some more, you know, adult directed play, something mm -hmm. that you're doing with them or you're leading them in to a certain degree when you're able to. Um, and then also time for them to be able to guide their own play and have some free play and, and make choices as well. Um, and certainly, you know, a balance of active play and quiet time as well. Um, so to get some of that energy out, but also soothing and calming activities too. Um, so I think right. in general, those are just some of the key touch points that you might think about when you're trying to come up with your routine. Um, yeah. Do you recommend to families as they're starting to think about what that might look like? Is this something, you know, you go to a preschool classroom or a daycare setting or even kindergarten in the younger elementary grades, you'd see on the teacher's board, um, so we're in the classroom, this is what your day looks like. So there's a written out or pictures, you know, symbols of what you should be doing. Do you think that's something that families might be helpful to families? Or is it more um, in mom and dad or caregivers head? Um, and describe to kids, do you, you know, do you recommend going as far as that, really having a chart that, that really solidifies things? 
I think that having visual reminders are so helpful for yeah. all of us, um, children and adults alike. Um, and yes, it, it is a common strategy used in early childhood settings. So your child might be familiar with looking at that. And right. it might actually be nice for your kids to see, oh, look, we have a schedule at home, just like we had at school um, right. to help make right. that connection. But beyond it just being kind of nice for them um, emotionally, it really does help cognitively to help them to follow the routine and also to be able to predict what's coming. Um, but that doesn't have to be an incredibly labor intensive process. Um, if you go on Pinterest like I do or um, search on the internet, you know, you can find lots of printable schedules um, mm -hmm. that have the days of the week and pictures of common activities you might be doing with your kids. Um, there are ones that you can purchase. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, in the best case scenario, if you have the time, you can take pictures of your kids doing the different activities and um, print those out and post that as your visual schedule. And that can even become a learning activity in and of itself. Right. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's often especially helpful if you engage your child in the practice of making the schedule each day, um, mm -hmm. putting up the pictures of the activities that you're going to do, um, taking them down when you're done with certain activities. It just gives them some ownership and helps them be, feel more directly involved and feel like they have some control over their day. That's right. What so, I was, that's what I was just going to ask that. Is this a t an opportunity to, to have that family conversation? And you certainly just really hit it that to have that conversation with the child and say, okay, let's think about what we're going to do. And is it every day thing? Or is it to, to set up a schedule or the night before and say, oh, let's think about what we're doing tomorrow. And maybe not every day, but just a few times a week, just that it's gonna break it up and they know the expectation or can build sort of the excitement knowing what they're gonna do. Because kids thrive on schedules, not, not, not schedules so much. They thrive on knowing ahead of time, something to look forward to, the structure of it. There's I comfort in that. A, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's safety and security and routine. And I think as a parent, you know, when I hear these reinforcements, um, my kids are still, you know, they're they're not early childhood, but they're still on the younger side. And it's those schedules, even though maybe they take a little bit of time to set up and do the activity and really discuss with your kids um, in the long run, it's so worth it for behavior. So meltdowns and tantrums and things like that are things that we can expect even in the most normal of spring to summer transitions, um, it's a very hard time for kids to go from one, you know, one set of rules, so to speak, to a whole new environment. And then now in this environment that we're living in 2020, um, this just gives one more tool for parents to be able to utilize that to mitigate some of that tension, some of that sadness, and some of those, um, you know, cries for help from kids. I think it's worth it. I think that right. sort of eases yeah. into that uh, the conversation of the coping with the stress of, you know, for the parents as well as the children. So what, what would your suggestions be on that, Maren? Well, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a big a lot, lot, isn't it? <laughs> We're all going to You know, any, um, I mean, I think, Ali, you just put it very well. You yeah. know, it, it does seem, even some of the strategies that we share at times, you know, 
um, or that you find um, that you find on Pinterest or elsewhere might make you feel like, oh, I don't know if I can handle that as a parent. I have so much on my plate and, and you just do what you can. Um, but I can say even from personal experience that sometimes just putting in a little bit of that extra effort preventatively and trying to get a step ahead, if you do that consistently enough and be, make it part of your own routine as a parent, it really does pay off with, with behavior. Um, what we know about kids' behavior in general is that if we can be more preventative um, than reactive, we have a better chance of success. So it's easier to try to address something before it happens or teach some skills than fix a scenario in the moment when a child is already really escalated and upset and you might already be escalated and upset. Um, but one thing I just certainly think of to start with is that, you know, and we've all acknowledged, this is just a, a very different, challenging time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to keep reminding ourselves of that and not try to make it something other than what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, kind of, Pair, perhaps pare down our expectations for our children and for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You might experience a wide range of feelings yourself and your children may too um, in response to even ordinary day events or small disappointments. Um, right. A crayon tip might break while doing an art project and that might you know, be the end of the world for your child. Mm -hmm. um, but as much as you can bring um, feelings into, you know, your day-to-day -day conversation at home, um, talk about and model your own coping strategies and, and what that means. That sounds very hefty for young children, but it really isn't. And I think there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, there's some really good books about feelings and how to cope with them, mm -hmm. uh, different activities you can find online, um, videos, songs that can all engage kids in an age appropriate way to talk about how to manage your feelings. Right. How do, how do we, I think you hit on something right when you first started talking about this notion of being gentle with ourselves. Um, it's been a theme throughout, right? And that's gentle on <laughs> yourself, but gentle on your children that nobody knows, you know, nobody even knows how to tell you how to deal with this because it's so new, so different. Um, you have the feelings of social isolation and kids away from their friends and all these things that are so heavy for all of us that I think of just a feeling of forgiveness and that you are doing the best that you can do and living that every day without beating up on yourself. Because I think as, a, you know, as parents, we tend to do that anyway. Um, you know, we're our own worst critics, um, even more so in this environment. So I like that notion of, cut yourself some slack and be gentle and every day is kind of a new day and to take it, um, you know, take, take the start of the day for what it is and try again. Exactly. You know, doing the best that you can do. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that can feel or seem overwhelming as a parent or maybe kind of like a utopian ideal. And a lot of us feel like, well, I'm way too busy for, for that. Yeah. But I know I have found and I have heard, you know, from others that sometimes even a couple minutes to yourself to recharge mm -hmm. can help you to be um, more present for your kids so you're able to support them in the way that you want to. And that probably looks different for every parent, um, but I think... 
you know, we're all trying our best to make it through this time in keeping our kids engaged in the most appropriate way and educational way. But mm-hmm. even if it means that, you know, you're finding I'm having a really tough moment, let me, you know, put on some music for the kids, or maybe that's the time when they do a learning activity on a tablet and you just take a couple minutes to, to right. yourself um, right. if you really need to, to recharge. So it might just be giving yourself permission um, to take a couple minutes away and do something that will be good for you. Right, right. I think I, another theme that's really come up for a lot of families, and I think as our state reopens, right, because we're, you know, we're, we're in this shift, we're going into phase two, things are reopening, some big things. Um, the amusement parks are opening up on the 20th. Um, so, oh. so, yeah, so there's big things happening. And there will be this idea of my family versus your family and there's different rules that families will make so that might not be the same as the state's rules now when we were all under right stay at home orders sort of uh, it was a little easier because we were all living under the same set of guidelines we're now we're not um families all have different comfort levels of what they're willing to do, what they want to do, what feels right, what feels comfortable, and then others might not have the same ones. So that could be confusing to kids, right? Because, you know, little Sam gets to go to a Kwasi and his friend does not because, you know, his family doesn't feel safe there. So what are some things um, that you could advise families when they're talking to their kids, um, you know, to, to help kids understand this notion um, without making it seem so overwhelming. Yeah. And, and I think it is really going to be one that we all face. Um, our, our kids might notice it. We might notice it with um, other of our um, friends who are parents or just family relatives, um, other peers. It kind of might make us question our own decisions. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to try to remind yourself and, and feel confident in um, your right to make the decision that you feel is best for yourself and for mm-hmm. your family, and that mm-hmm. that will look different for everyone. Um, right. One of the greatest things about kids, I think, is that they might actually handle this a little bit better than we do. Right. Um, your children might point out that there are some differences in the way one family might handle something than your family does. They might point out how come, you know, my friend over there is allowed to go ride his bike around and doesn't have a mask, but you haven't allowed your child to do that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But a little bit of age appropriate information is sometimes all that they are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just acknowledging that there are maybe some differences Um, in the ways that people choose to handle things um, Mm -hmm. and talking about what your family rules are. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes family meetings um, can be helpful for that. So maybe you sit around the dinner table and talk about, you know, your family uh, routine and and rules and, and expectations. And I think especially given, you know, the world that we're living in today, um, it actually presents a really good opportunity to have conversations with kids about how every individual is different, every family is different. Um, Talk about, you know, accepting and appreciating differences. Um, So while it might be a real challenge when that comes up and it might be hard for you 
to see your child get upset about not being able to do something that another child is able to do, it actually can turn into a really great um, learning opportunity and really bonding experience too. Yeah, I love that you said you put it that way because I kept thinking um, as you were speaking that it's always fantastic to look at things like Mary said through a positive lens and gleaning the good from this. And I think one of the things that I've seen uh, professionally and also in my own family is open communication. So lines of communication have actually opened up for a lot of families um, because you you can't operate status quo like we always did, right? The same story every day and the same route. Things had to change. So there is some level of beauty in having these conversations with your kids and really taking the time to help them understand and yourself because you need to understand as well because as parents, Every day, we're also trying to make sense of what's safe for us, what's safe for our loved ones, and what's safe for our community, and what our role is in that. So maybe just take a second to think about how, you know, how this could be a positive for families and for your own family to have that conversation and trust kids a little bit because kids, you know, they're resilient and they know things and they see things and they can, you know, they can respond appropriately if we give them the chance to. And I think also letting go of the idea that we have to have all the perfect answers right now. Um, You know, another example of turning something into a positive is that it's not necessarily a bad thing for your kids to hear um, that you might not know the answer to something or, you know, this is the decision you're making right now, but you're not sure. And let's talk about it and break it apart. Um, I think sometimes we're so eager to give answers or, you know, statements to our kids that we forget that we can actually ask them questions and engage them in in conversation too. And sometimes that's enough for them. Yeah. A little breakdown of humanity. Right. Right. Yeah. I think also it's, it's a time where we can also say we don't have to be a perfect parent. We don't have to think about that and and (laughs) we're not a perfect parent and all those you're going on Pinterest, which, I love that, but I get lost in trying to print those those different de- directions that you have to do. So yeah. if that project doesn't come out so well, maybe it's that <laughs> laughing moment of, boy, that didn't work very well, did it? And turn it into that versus, oh, we tried so hard and it didn't work. You know, I think it's looking and there's no good spin on what's happening now. And there's no way to say, let's put look at it on the lighter side but maybe those little opportunities to do that, to laugh at ourselves or to say to the kids, hey, boy, I've really worked today at trying to be the perfect mom and it hasn't worked for me, you know, you guys. You know, just to open that up because it's, you, you sometimes you have to find the humor in that. And who's there with you? It's your family. You're not able to go out there. You're talking, more people are talking on the phone, which is interesting to hear and see that now than, to text because by the time you text everything you want to say you could be texting for a long time where just pick up the phone and say that couple minutes of conversation so uh you know i think it's okay for us to find humor in the situation and that is still acceptable to do yeah we've got a horrible horrible situation out there with a lot of things that we're dealing with but finding that little bit of humor so i said I have still been trying to find different patterns on Pinterest and I'm, that's not working for me, Mary. 
So maybe I need some lessons from you on that. But I, I pin them and then I don't do them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's the honesty. <laughs> that has been made yeah. on the best of intentions. And I think that's, that also says the same thing. It's not a perfect world, but we're not perfect either. And we try. And I, I think that trying to feel at this moment for parents that you're going to be the perfect parent right now because my child is expecting it. Well, that's not going to happen maybe. And goodness knows if it does, that's like, that's the miracle of all things that everything comes together in one perfect world. And boy, wouldn't we all be happy, but um, yeah, that's not like that that's going to happen oh, for yeah. anybody. And, and then goodness knows a week, two weeks, three weeks from now, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. So it's, I have a saying sometimes is the, the plan is not to plan. Because sometimes those plans, if you try to plan that week ahead or two weeks, we don't know where we're going to be. Just plan the, the next day or a couple days ahead. And that's scheduling. I love that with working with the kids and working on a schedule with them and uh, put in the fun things or dance to the music or whatever it is. But just to, to put those down so that the kids can go and look at something and say, oh, we're going to do whatever it is now or we're going to do that in a couple hours and Hopefully they don't keep coming and saying, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? <laughs> Mr. Fox knows, but nobody else does. So, so yeah. Marin, as we wrap up, um, are there any other resources that you could share with us um, and share with families that they could reach out to? Should they have more questions, looking for some support? Because there are, you know, there are folks out there who are willing to help and it's sometimes just as you just don't know where to turn. So if you could give right, us a, just right. a few tips as we close up, that would be awesome. Sure. There are so many great resources out there right now, um, which is almost, uh, you know, a positive side of all of this too. I think in um, many ways we have had to um, put ourselves out there a little bit more and kind of promote resources, services, um, because that's the only way of, of connecting um, with each other right now. I, um, the agency that I work for, the Child Guidance Clinic, um, offers behavioral health through telehealth currently um, in all of our, our programs. Um, so that's for children, teens, adults, and families. Um, and specifically, um, the Early Childhood Consultation Partnership, um, which Allie mentioned before, um, is a consultation service for early childhood providers, parents, and young children. Mm -hmm. um, and they are offering teleconsultation services currently. Um, and you can go to eccpct.com, that's their website, to find out more information and to also watch some really helpful, informative um, video clips for families. Um, there are printable resources. Um, and at Child Guidance Clinic, we also have been utilizing our, our social media, our Facebook and our Instagram um, very frequently to post videos for families with strategies, um, activity ideas, um, information about community resources. Um, Sesame Street has been great, good old Sesame Street. Um, yeah. <laughs> they've had some wonderful town halls um, with CNN on different topics related to um, what's going on in the world right now and how to talk about it with young kids. Um, and, um, you know, if you look on the internet, there are just so many different um, great websites. Um, and then I think, you know, the challenge there then ultimately 
for you as a parent is just to take a look and dig and find what you feel like uh, makes sense for you. Right, right. But I think um, what struck me is too, but reach out. So if you do have concerns, um, just knowing that we all do, that all parents are struggling. And if it's something that you need help with, that your agency in particular is there to help. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, mm -hmm. That's what you're there for. Certainly, yes, we're here and we understand. And um, I think we've heard in different meetings that um, mental health is one of the most Googled topics currently. So we're all you know, facing challenges and you're not alone yeah. in that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marin. It was so great to talk to you today and um, good luck with your own family this summer. And um, yeah, enjoy it. And I think that that lead in, although I gave Marin, I gave you credit, but we'll say it to Allie, <laughs> it, embracing summer 2020 with young children. So what we can leave it with that and just think about what that is going to look at and what great great opportunities of some suggestions that you gave. So thank you again for, for joining us today. And we're, I'm sure gonna have you back another time with another important topic. And we're gonna invite our listeners to come back and, and listen for the many topics that we're gonna be covering in the course of uh, the next few months and years. So thank you again, till we meet again. Thank you.